There is a lot in this passage that can easily go unnoticed. So the first thing we need to be clear of is some basic facts about the situation. Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. They're in Bethlehem, even though their hometown is Nazareth, because Herod, the Roman governor of the region, has demanded a census in which the people must go and register in the city or the town of their family of origin. In this case, that town is Bethlehem. At the time of the announcement of the census, Mary was already miraculously pregnant with Jesus. This means that Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to the north of Jerusalem, where Joseph is a carpenter, to Bethlehem, which is roughly 100 miles away if you follow the most direct route, or 120 miles away if you take the longer route. But either way, you are north of Bethlehem, you are north of Jerusalem, traveling down through Jerusalem, continuing south to Bethlehem, south of Jerusalem. An adult can comfortably walk on foot 15 miles a day if you are used to walking. And let us remember that everyone at the time walked. So this is nothing new. In fact, they probably could walk further, but we know that they can do at least 15 miles a day. If they walked the longest route of 120 miles and averaged 15 miles a day, they would have arrived in Bethlehem eight days later. And if they went the most direct route of 100 miles, which seems to make more sense, be more likely, maintain 15 miles a day average, they would have arrived in Bethlehem six and a half days later. But we're going to stretch those days because Mary is pregnant and we need to allow for the delays to ensure her comfort in this journey. And so we're going to go to within a conservative estimate of doubling the travel time. So 13 to 16 days to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph, having arrived in Bethlehem after were our estimate of two weeks of travel, assuming that they were traveling at half a typical pace. And soon after, they're blessed with the birth of Jesus in their ancestral home. We discussed in an earlier sermon the fact that the word used in the birth account that is rendered as in is the same word that means upper room and that people lived in the upstairs and animals were sheltered from harsh weather in the downstairs of homes in Israel in that time frame. So with the house already absolutely full of family members because they've all come in for this census, they're filling the upstairs, the quarters for people. Mary and Joseph made use of the downstairs for both the room and the privacy desired for giving birth to Jesus. The angel appears in the night sky and announces to the shepherd that the Messiah was born, the Prince of Peace, and that they would find him lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so the shepherds made haste to see this newborn find Jesus just the way the angel described. We learn all of this in the Gospel according to St. Luke. Now the scene continues to develop. 
We learn from the Gospel according to St. Matthew of the arrival of, depending on the translation and tradition, you're using either three kings or three magi, wise men. Wise men, the more likely uh, or more accurate description. The question is, where do these wise men or the kings come from? St. Luke simply says that they came from the east. Different scholars suggest different regions. Those regions now known as Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen as the most likely places. There is an old tradition within the Armenian Christian community that the three Magi were as following. Balthasar of Arabia, Melchior of Persia, which is now Iran, and Gaspar of India. While our messianic or messianic prophecy recorded for us in our reading from Isaiah chapter 60, which we read a little while ago, says, A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and those from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. The challenge here is whether or not to recognize those as places or people or a combination. For example, Midian is a person and it's a place. And there's the people group, the Midianites. Ephah is one of the sons of Midian, is a person from the same region, therefore. And Sheba is a person, a tribe, and a place. And each of them mentioned are found as close as the edge of Israel and as far away as to be all the way through Arabia to the southwestern region, now known as Yemen. So that would match what some scholars believe. So if we simply accept the scholarly belief that the Magi come from Iraq or Iran, which would put them to the east, matching our very simple Luke account, then our Magi traveled 1,200 miles. If we allow for the prophecy of the coming Messiah to be accurate and take the furthest possible placement, that of the southern edge of Saudi Arabia and the uh, portion of the Arabian Peninsula known as Yemen, then going with that part Yemen to be on the totally safe, absolute maximum possible distance, the Magi came from 1,300 miles away. So an extra 100 miles. It's not actually that much different. And if by an extremely unlikely chance, the tradition of one of the Magi being from India is true, then the Magi, or at least the one, of course, that's using the assumption that we only have three, and that's just by tradition of having three gifts. But that's a whole different thing. If any one or more came from the, the uh, part of the world now known as India, then at least that one Magi traveled 5,100 miles. Now, mileage actually means very little these days because there's so many ways to travel and each dictate a different amount of time required. Planes, trains, and automobiles all making long-distance travel much easier and quicker than it used to be. But our Magi, as the Bible tells us, that prophetic 
announcement for the Messiah, they're traveling by camel. And camels, when laden with cargo, can average 40 miles a day. If our Magi are Persians, meaning they're from Iran, they're going to travel for 30 days a month. One month to get to Bethlehem. If we go with the idea of the Midianites, Ephraites, and Shebites, and we go with the worst possible or the most distant, so not the ones that actually resided within the edge of Israel, but those that are as far away as Yemen, then our Magi had to travel for 44 days, one month and two weeks in order to reach Bethlehem. And if, in the extremely unlikely option of India, is true, then our Magi had to travel for 128 days, four months, one week, and one day to get to Bethlehem. And all of those distances could have been much closer. They could have all actually been within the border of Israel, in which case they only traveled days. As I said, the people groups predicted in the prophecy all had a presence within Israel. Could have been two or three days at the most. For our purpose this morning, I wanted to go with the furthest possible options. So our absolute worst case scenario, four months, a week, and a day. At this point, you may be wondering why such an extensive review of distances and the amount of time it takes to travel those distances. And the reason is simple. It is to point out that it did not take long for the Magi, even if traveling from the very furthest distance that anyone has ever suggested, to arrive in Bethlehem. And you see in other parishes all across the United States and around the world, there will be priests this morning and pastors of all different denominations Explaining to people that Jesus was somewhere between one and two, possibly closing in on three years old by the time the Magi arrived. They will use two references to support this claim. The first is the Magi arrived, they found Jesus in the house. That's what it says in our Lucan account. Rather than in a barn. And as we've thoroughly discussed already in a Different sermon, Jesus was never in a barn. He was downstairs in the family house. The next thing they will do is mention verse 16 from the same passage, which we did not read this morning. The one that describes how Herod had every male child aged two and under killed in the effort to kill Jesus, the newborn king. In all of this, they will say that it took the Magi between one and two years to travel to Bethlehem from whatever place they left in the east to get there. But we know that the most extreme estimate only takes four months, one week, and one day. Herod killed every male child aged two and under, not because that was the potential age of Jesus, but out of his maniacal defense of his throne, 
This is the Roman Empire. And any perceived threat to leadership was met with the destruction of the threat and a wide margin all around the threat. Entire families were killed. The extended family was killed. Every known associate of the family were killed in response to perceived threats to the status quo. Be assured that the Magi, whether three or a hundred of three, they arrived in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth. You see, in the year 6 BC, and yes, that actually means Jesus was 39 at the time of his crucifixion on Friday, April 3rd, in the year of our Lord, 33. The Magi saw the royal star. royal star in that time frame was Jupiter, and I will admit, I don't know if they were looking at a reflection of the planet Jupiter or if there's a separate star named Jupiter, but in their description, in their wording of the time, it's called the Star of Jupiter, rise before the sun, making it in the terms of the astrologers and astronomers of the day, because it was kind of a, we have them separated, they had them together. They called that that royal star rising in front of the sun in the constellation a morning star. And a morning star is the sign of the birth of a king. And they saw the morning star of Jupiter in front of the sun rising in the constellation of Aries, which represented the people of Judea. When learning that bit of information, keep in, the mind, keep in mind the words of Jesus, I, Jesus, am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Magi saw the star and began traveling to meet the newborn king. Maybe just a few days, a few weeks, possibly a few months. Either way, they were there when Jesus was just an infant, just a few days old. How do we know? Because Jesus hasn't been presented in the temple yet. If we return to Luke, we know that Jesus was presented in the temple according to the custom of the law, which according to Leviticus is on the eighth day. Joseph has a job to get back to. He's a carpenter. Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem, 27 miles to the south of Jerusalem. Nazareth is north of Jerusalem. That would be two days of regular foot travel or up to four days allowing for Mary and now Jesus' comfort, having Mary having just given birth. And anybody preparing for such travel would have left Bethlehem with the plan of arriving in Jerusalem on the eighth day or possibly the seventh day and rest and then on the morning of the eighth day, presenting the baby according to the law and then, being one quarter of the way home, continue on to their home in Nazareth so that Joseph can get back to work. They would not have gone back and forth to Bethlehem. It would make no sense. Their obligation there has already been met. But our Magi arrive, Jesus is still a baby, and in the mix of falling down before Jesus and worshiping him, and then giving him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And all of the celebration associated with the birth of a king. The angel announced, and the Magi discerned from the stars. A dark message came, from the, came to the Magi. Go home a different way. Herod cannot be trusted. 
When the Magi left, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Flee, Herod is about to search out the child and destroy him. And Joseph took Mary and Jesus and they departed for Egypt. But, not written in Matthew, who we have to cross-reference with Luke, they first were obedient to the law. They went to Jerusalem. They went to the temple. They presented Jesus according to the custom of the law and received the blessing of both Simeon and Anna in the temple. And that's where our story comes full circle. Why it's important to know that Jesus was a newborn when the Magi arrived. You see, Joseph was afraid for the lives of Jesus and Mary. Jesus took the angels, excuse me, Joseph took the angels' warning seriously and did indeed take Mary and Jesus and flee to Egypt, as he was told. But he was more faithful than he was afraid. He brought Mary and Jesus into Jerusalem right under the nose of Herod, was faithful to the law of God, and then made their escape to Egypt. And why is that important today? Because every day we're called to be faithful to God. And being faithful to God can be a scary thing. But Jesus assures us, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And he tells us, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And do not fear, only believe. And St. Paul tells us through his letter to the Romans that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, there would be Herod, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So no matter what the challenge, no matter how scary the situation, be bold in the Lord and remain faithful. When warned to escape danger, do not put the God to test, do not linger in the danger. But when there is something that must be done for the Lord, be faithful, fear not, and do what you are called to do. Amen.